0: Welcome to the Leading on Purpose podcast with Jackie, where you will hear stories of passion, purpose, and leadership designed to inspire you to live your best life. So let's get started. Dear God, thank you for everyone that is listening to this podcast and for our guests. I ask that you give everyone favor and help them live their best life. Keep this in mind. You will never influence the world by being just like it. So be yourself, be authentic, because the world needs you. Now let's hear from our guest. It is my pleasure to have Richard Butler on my podcast today. And we are going to talk about leading from the heart with a DEI lens. How are you today,
1: Richard? Hello, hello, hello. Is it okay to call you Jackie? Yeah, Jackie's perfect. Hello, Jackie. I'm doing great today. About to end this Monday with conversation with you. So what could be better than this?
0: Oh, well, that's, that's so kind of you. <laughs> Hopefully we'll see if we get into the conversation. I'm just
1: yeah, excited. we'll see what type of <laughs> questions you throw my way. <laughs>
0: So um, the the topic, Leading from the Heart with the DEI Lens. So first of all, why don't you tell the listeners, we are in summertime right now. What do you enjoy doing over the summer?
1: Yeah, that's a fun question, Jackie. Uh, when the pandemic hit, I found myself happy not to be with people, but at the same time, uh, yearning to be outside. And so I started this habit of, uh, I, I bought a uh, professional camera and decided I'm going to capture Pittsburgh and people from the lens of my eyes and just uh, do amateur shooting. And so on weekends, I grab my camera, I grab whatever book I'm reading for the day, I find a coffee shop in Pittsburgh. I do some reading and then I go outside and I start shooting human beings and landscapes, And it's just been a blast just to, for once, have that creative eye.
0: Oh, that's really cool. That's really very, very nice. So in this, in this conversation about what you like to do over the summer, you mentioned Pittsburgh. So everyone knows that you're currently living (laughs) in Pittsburgh. So why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, both um, personally You know, it's your life journey, personally, and then taking us to your career.
1: Sure. Thank you for that. Big fan of Pittsburgh, by the way. If you don't notice, that's our skyline behind me. That's a photo that I shot in the middle of one of our bridges here in town. Uh, All of my backdrops are actually things that I've shot along the way throughout the city. Uh, Born and raised, left Pittsburgh right after college for all of the wrong reasons. I'll get to that in a moment. But uh, born and raised, raised Pittsburgher, I uh, was born, at the, by the time I was seven years old, they were just ending the Jim Crow laws here in the North. And just that idea that I, as a kid, didn't recognize that I was living in a very segregated world. And because my entire community looked just like me, I had no idea that there was things beyond my community. And that's simply because of the Jim Crow laws, right? Uh and uh, that began to inform who I am, actually, as a person. Uh, by the time I was 10, uh, Dr. King was assassinated in 1968, and I stood in the middle of my street here in Pittsburgh in Homewood and watched our entire community burn to the ground as a 10-year-old. And I say, at that moment, I lost my boyhood because standing in the middle of the street as a 10-year-old and not needing to be involved in anything that was going on in society as a 10-year-old, I realized that I needed to be part of what was going on in society right at that moment. Watching cars burn, uh, buildings burn, uh, seeing 1,000 white National Guardsmen march through our streets and just hear their boots uh, hitting the pavement and hear their billy clubs tapping against their shields, that that will always stay with me. The smells of, of the burning smoke and car tires and buildings and the screams of people That actually informed me uh, and from that day forward, I became uh, what I consider a civil rights activist and uh, pursued this idea that we all can, um, as individuals can do something uh, for the greater good of society. And I've dedicated most of what I do and just just that intersectionality of society and who I am in society and just sharing stories and so that trajectory, uh, to even back up a little more, I also uh, had a learning, uh, had a, not a learning, but I had a speech and language disorder. So I could not actually speak words for a very long time as a young person. And we didn't have the ADA then. And so we didn't have special education. We didn't have anyone that actually said, this kid needs help. And so I spent time being held back in school uh, because I just could not uh, figure out how to actually speak words. Uh, but at that time, I I read, and I read everything in sight that I could possibly read. Now, did I read it correctly? I don't know, because there was no one to say, hey, is this right? But um, eventually, I figured out how to work around my disability. And um, I decided uh, later in life that I would use my voice for others that don't have a voice. When I got out of college that one day I would be a college professor because maybe there's kids like me struggling that may not belong in college, but managed to get into college. And if they heard my story and saw me standing up there in front of the classroom, just maybe I could inspire them to stay. And so uh, I became a college professor in my early forties for the past 17 years now, a part-time professor. And the number one class that I presently teach, although I teach multiple classes as a part-timer, is understanding and managing diversity in the workplace. And I know that we will be talking more about diversity, equity, and inclusion, but I also teach leadership one and two, uh, organizational ethics, uh, argument and research, which is really cool to do with freshmen. Um, and, and And so to be able to actually get there um, I spent 20 uh, over well I just retired of 38 years in the fitness industry and so prior to that I owned my own personal fitness uh, uh, facility and owning that facility I've met some of the industrial giants in America CEOs of fortune 500 companies professional athletes and I would begin to get called upon uh, from my clients who were CEOs say, hey Richard, I love what you do with the professional athletes. Can you come and speak to my employees? They would love to hear from you. You're inspirational, blah, 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 blah. And I I definitely um, felt like I wasn't qualified to be standing in front of a bunch of corporate professional people and inspiring them in whatever level. And so out of that fear, I decided to go get a master's degree in organizational leadership. And I decided if I got that degree in organizational leadership, And i'm standing in front of a room of professionals i'm the content expert so there and so i went and got that degree uh i actually went and and this is important as part of our conversation i decided to get my degree at a christian college and although i wasn't a christian i wanted to learn more about servant leadership because i knew about secular leadership but what is this followership and servant leadership all about and I, my basic principles are based on being in service of others. Uh, and my master's degree allowed me to do that. And I've gone on to have a pretty thorough career, uh, which is pretty cool. Speaking as a keynote person throughout the country. Uh, I now have um, just a laundry list on the side of uh, DEI consulting global organizations that I consult and, uh Presently, I am the director of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion for Employee Inc., which is the um, which is a company that does recruiting, talent acquisition, and we are the parent company of three other companies: Next Thing, Job Fight, and Jazz HR. So I'll stop there.
0: Wow! Wow! Well, what an amazing journey that you have been on. What you have seen and your life experiences, but what you've done with that is it's truly remarkable. So I just wanna commend you Richard for Thank your you. tenacity, for your focus and, and for your desire to, to give back and, and make a positive difference. And which leads me actually to my, my next question, which is around what does it mean to you Um, leading from the heart. I mean, as you know, we became connected because you were leading my daughter and my daughter, you know, my daughter, we talk a lot and and she just told me what an amazing leader you are. It was her kind of her first real career job out of college. And she came home after the first time that you guys worked together. She's like, gosh, he's a wonderful leader. He believed in me. And, and she was just so inspired. And, and we know that leaders make a huge difference because whoever they're leading, they go home and talk to their family about the. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So so what does it mean to you to lead from the heart?
1: (sighs) Yeah. So I appreciate you saying that about your daughter. Uh, You know, people have to be willing to be led and she's an open vessel that's willing to learn. Uh, She's a, a person that has a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. And I appreciate that. That's who she is as a person. So thank you for that. Uh, but leading uh, from the heart for me simply means um, we go from a transactional relationship with our employees and people in our life. And what that means is I could either uh, you could either you the employee, the follower can be motivated by you. The, you can be motivated that you do your 40 hours, I cut you a check. You don't do more beyond that 40 hours because you're just doing it for that transactional relationship. Or it could be a transformational. And leading from the heart, we create a transformational relationship with our colleagues, with our employees, with our cohort. And that transformation is that as we're leading from the heart, we become effective leaders when we effectively and intentionally give the power away, that we provide the resources so that those that you lead eventually will either be stolen from you because of their leadership qualities, or they grow and do their own thing because you help them grow. So helping transform the people that you are in charge of.
0: So in a practical way, what does that look like for you? Like when you're thinking about leading people and you're leading from the heart and you're leading on from a transformational leadership perspective, what is, in a practical way, what does that look like
1: for you? sure i'll 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 say it based on a statement from a colleague that shocked me. And so I have a colleague. He's about six, seven, six, eight, so very huge presence. And he said to me recently, Richard, you know what? I really like about you is that no matter who's in a conversation with you, we think you are just paying attention to us. And so being able to open your heart and be with the person, not be the boss, but to see the person in front of you as an individual, that's super important. And so if you want to be practical about it, you know, have the, be interested, not interesting. And so, when you come to me, Jackie, I I want to know all the things, not just the task. But did your child finally stop the goal in the soccer game? Did your mom find the right doctor? Did you take care of your transportation issues that you were having? And so, seeing your your followers, seeing your colleagues as a whole person, um, and 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 their and being and really truly being vulnerable to care about their well-being. And when I say that term vulnerable in leadership, people cringe. When I say leading with the heart, people cringe. Well, that's just weakness. Well, that's just a fixed mindset, in my opinion. A growth mindset will find all of the tools to grow all of the people around them. And sometimes that will mean being vulnerable. It doesn't mean I'm being vulnerable and I'm actually whining every day that I had to go get my car fixed. It means that I'm vulnerable to say I make mistakes. And if I'm the smartest person in the room, I'm in the wrong room. That's, that's, that's the crux of it for me. Is that helpful? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: I mean, it aligns to, you know, what I know personally, what I hear other leaders say as well. And and you def- I think you definitely shared it very, very clearly. So when, you know, the topic here is leading from the heart with a DEI lens. So now when you add the DEI lens to leading from the heart, what does that mean to you, Richard?
1: Yeah, so um, leading from the heart with diversity, equity, inclusion lens uh, should not A, be a second, <laughs> like, phase two of who you are as a leader. Uh, Once I personally saw the world, that the world wasn't just my Black community, that the world actually was an intersection of humans from all different aspects, I can only lead from the heart when I also recognize your gender diversity. I can only lead from the heart when I recognize that you are a person with disabilities. I can only lead from the heart. I know when I simply uh, embrace that you are different than me, Uh, with the lens of DEI, which is super important at this very moment in society, because we lost 52 million people in 2021 out of the workplace. And what I've learned in my research is that our intentionally, traditionally marginalized and oppressed groups left the office in greater numbers than most because they finally actually felt secure and safe within the walls of their home. And they could be themselves remotely than having to come to work and hide your gender expression, for instance. And, And so as a leader, I need all of the tools in my toolbox, not simply because it's a tool, but because I authentically want to ensure that I understand the total well-being of, of my employees. And so we have to look through the lens uh, of DEI. Not only do we have to, um, if you're asking employees to be in the workplace or now at home or wherever for eight hours a day, that's an employee that's also the rest of those hours, part of society and society is happening to that person outside of your walls, no matter what. And so for you to better understand and for you to better have retention and recruitment, there's no organization right now that doesn't look more attractive than an organization that's totally immersing themselves in this mistake that they made prior to the death of Mr. George Floyd, that we could do better. And if you're going to do better and if you're going to be attractive to a more, a larger talent pool, then you better be leading from the heart with the lens of DEI.
0: So I'm going to go, there. so you definitely have a lot of, you've done a lot of work um, around diversity, equity, and inclusion. As a consultant, you teach classes, you know, that's your current role. I'm going to go back to what I asked you about just leading from the heart, from a practical way, what does that look like? And And so when you add, like I said, the DEI lens, and like you said, companies definitely are thriving who are doing that. What does that look like for a company? And then what is the benefit to the company for leading with the DEI lens, leading from the heart with the DEI lens?
1: All right. Great question. Let me just chew on that for a moment, like a bad piece of gum, and I'll get a fresh idea out of it in a moment. <laughs> <laughs> and so to be practical is to, so I'll take what's happening just to us and organizations right now. As we, as leaders, are pondering this idea, how do we get people back to the office? How do we, we have to cover the cost of the square footage of all these empty buildings. How do we get people back to the office? I must now come with this growth mindset that I'm actually not going to get people back to the office in a traditional way. I'm going to have to have a hybrid version and I'm going to have to, really think about that if if Jackie, this is just an example, is a has been a stay-at-home, has been a single mom. And after these two years, Jackie has finally figured out how to juggle the kids without child care because the child care places were open and how to manage having them at home. I can't just so for the practical side of that is Jackie and all single mom Jackies or single parents or, or any single parent, um, you're coming to work next week. We, we, we. Practically speaking, you're just going to have them resign. And so, with the lens that of this individual, that they may need extra resources, and the fact me for for me as a leader, if I'm able to come up with the right resources, I get to keep Jackie as an employee. And Jackie actually will tell others, "Do you know what my company did?" when you said, well, why should a company do that? Well, we talk to each other, especially those of us of color. And if I said, tell me about this employee, Inc., you're going to tell me, well, they're a good company, but not for people to look like us. Or they bent over backwards and authentically wanted to make sure I had the resources to do my job as well as to be of service of the organization. Is that helpful?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, this whole discussion around, say, flexible work arrangements, Arrangements or hybrid—it's such a hot topic right now because when COVID first happened, people who were working in the office hated working from home. But it was—it 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 was challenging because you had kids on one desk, you're off, your home wasn't set up to be working from home, and then now there's so many people who don't necessarily want to go back in the office or at least not on a full-time basis, and they want hybrid. And, and companies have to, you know, like you said manage manage the different situations that people are in today based on how we've been living for the last couple of years. So definitely it, it makes a lot of sense. So Richard, my, my next question is around um, what advice you would have for others who want to be a leader that leads from the heart with a DEI lens, what, what advice would you give
1: them? Yeah, that, that's a great, really good question. For starters, you have to want it more than just the bottom line of profitability of your organization. Studies are out there. Uh, There's there's, there's been enough studies now. Some some ended up not being so good, but at the end of the day, a diverse and inclusive organization, especially Fortune 500, has a higher percentage of, of profitability but we don't need to focus on that. The profitability will be automatic if you focus on the people that get you to your profitability. Uh, A lot of your employees, and when I was talking earlier about remote work, the the studies are still out if productivity is better or if it's worse. And I think we're starting to find that it's just based on industry and roles and positions. I know that my organization in the last two years, uh, Employee Inc., uh, the profit has really been uh, positive. And I mentioned that because my CEO and my VP of HR are the number one and two champions of this whole DEI movement. And they're not, they're doing it, because they personally know that this should be, this is what they should be doing. And they're doing it for their personal growth. And I accepted an offer from them because I knew in their heart of hearts that they could only take it so far on their own. And then bringing in an expert was important. And so I would say that you need to be sincere and authentic about why you are doing it. Not because your competitor down the street has a great uh, supplier diversity pipeline, but because in your heart of hearts, it's the right thing to do for you and the right thing to do for society because your employees is part of society. And then from there, I would say that you can't wait for me, your director of diversity, equity, inclusion, to be your Wikipedia You have to now do the work and you have to better understand who you've been in a space of social injustice, gender um, uh, inequality, uh, pay inequality. Who have you been in this space? Not just in the workplace, but in society. And and, and what I've learned in my conversations with my clients is that I'm on a call with CEOs who I didn't know they were the CEOs but I'm being authentic, I'm leading from the heart. And they realize they're the problem at the organization. They're the ones creating microaggressions. They are the ones creating barriers that they had no idea because they've never self-reflected. And being able to then for me or someone like me to provide resources or to at least direct them to the resources. So self-reflecting, who are you in this space? What type of legacy would you like to leave beyond profit with your organization and how can you impact in, in society because businesses do impact society on a daily basis
0: They do absolutely and you know some of the statistics that you talked about companies being more profitable when they focus on diversity equity and inclusion there's a ton of studies out there and, and, and literature that shows that and that's what all you know most companies talk about. but when you say, doing it not just for those reasons for the the profitability to your company, but because you really want to do it, how do you think you get people there that maybe have never been discriminated against or maybe have not walked in the shoes of others who maybe have and we hear a lot about, you know, privilege. And I know sometimes that can seem really negative to people, but we all have different privileges. But, you know, for those who maybe have had more privileges than others who maybe don't buy into the diversity, equity, and inclusion because they feel like they're being excluded in this journey, how do you how do you get those individuals to maybe move forward to do it, to want to do it versus maybe for the, the profitability
1: reasons? Yeah, so... At the end of the day, Jackie, we really won't truly know a person's heart, but um, the, the, the way that I look at it is if we have conversations like the two of us are having, but more importantly for the individuals that may have grown up not having to think about what you and I have to think about to be in society. Uh, to think about, I don't call it white privilege because as you said, sometimes people can get really defensive but I do call it social privilege and there's advantages to your social privilege privileges and, and for uh, the leadership to listen to stories provide a psychologically safe space so that if, so if I'm leading by the heart my employees actually uh, get to show up their authentic selves. And I strongly believe that, and you know this, that racism and all the multiple injustices and inequality that go along with that is a learned behavior. And through storytelling, by listening to others within your organization, listening to TED talks and podcasts such as your own, by 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 hearing other stories, I begin to unlearn what I learned if I want to. That, that's, that's the crux there. I'm looking to help a fellow citizen that has not had the opportunity or didn't know how to unpack their diversity backpack and see what's in it or what's not in it by telling them stories giving them facts and truth and letting them then tell their story. And so what they have learned, they can unlearn. Okay, that's great.
0: That's very true. What you can learn, you can unlearn. That's great. And like you've been talking a lot about growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. Having a growth mindset is critically important,
1: right? (laughs) We've always done it this way and we're still profitable. Well, let's ask Radio Shack how they're doing. (laughs) Let's ask Blockbuster how they're doing. Let's ask Sears and Roebuck how they're doing. Let's let's talk to BlackBerry. Where's BlackBerry? We've always done it this way, where you're going to miss an opportunity to do it another way with that fixed mindset.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I love that. All right, Richard, we're going to be finishing up here shortly. And before we do that, I have a few fun questions that I want to ask you. And I just want you to... Yes, to answer with the first thing that comes to mind. Oh, okay, no. are you ready?
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, okay, first
0: one. Bring it. If money was no object, where would you travel to tomorrow?
1: Oh, everywhere.
0: <laughs> Can you be more specific?
1: <laughs> I am an avid runner and cyclist, and I would start... By shipping my bike to Barcelona. Okay. And I would find a native speaker and I would bike all of Barcelona to learn the culture, to immerse with the people and to enjoy the foods.
0: Oh, right. Barcelona is a beautiful place. Love it. Love it. Okay. Speaking of food, what is one food that you could never give up?
1: Oh... This is interesting. So I'm a vegan. Okay. And I had to give up buffalo wings. (laughs) (laughs) And when I get off of the vegan train, if I ever did, and there's lots of reasons why I am, um, buffalo wings would probably be the, uh, remember Wimpy and Popeye and hamburgers?
0: Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes.
1: I'll gladly pay you Wednesday for Buffalo wings today. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Wings are very, very good. That's
0: pretty good that you gave those up. All right. Last one. Favorite song to sing when no one
1: is listening. Oh my gosh. Have you been looking in my playbook? One of my hobbies is singing. Um, At the age of 40, I decided that I wanted to learn classical music. And so oh. I went and decided to do voice lessons, classical voice lessons. Oh, my and God. I learned to sing in Italian, French, German, um, of course, uh, English. Uh, and just being able to, I, I can't speak the languages, but, you know, music and notes, uh, being able to just um, belt out some classical song or course uh, at the top of my lungs yeah, that's me. And then when I'm going to modern, uh, right now I've been working on a lot of uh, Teddy Swims I don't know if you're familiar with Teddy Swims. No. Yeah. Look him up. He's a pretty cool, interesting person who uh, is very soulful and, uh, I, I re- and and original. So I've been working on his music.
0: Oh, so you can say, you are a man of
1: many talents. Oh my goodness. (laughs) I'm a man of many interests. I've always said to myself, I don't want them to say, Richard is this, Richard or that. I had a friend who saw a picture of me on a billboard somewhere and he told the person when he saw the billboard, that Richard is always reinventing himself. And that's what I like to do. Nice,
0: very, very nice. So, so last two questions. So you read a lot, so my guess is you might have a favorite quote. And so what is it?
1: Yes, I have so many favorite quotes, and I hope one day, Jackie, when your show has been here forever and I'm no longer here, people are writing down quotes that you and I, they're quoting us. So oh, let's start nice. let's, <laughs> create, let's create that legacy. Uh, not everything that is faced can be changed but nothing can be changed until it is faced. James Baldwin.
0: Oh, nice. I like that. When, why is that your favorite quote? Pardon me? Why is that your favorite quote?
1: As I alluded to earlier, we can unlearn what we've learned, but we can't do it if we don't have the ability to storytell. We can't change the hearts and minds of people unless I'm able.
0: So final question, how can people get in contact with you? You do a lot of amazing things. You said you do some coaching. I know you lead some podcasts yourself. So if someone wants to get in contact with you, how can they get in contact with you?
1: Back signal. (laughs)
0: Back signal? A big RV or something?
1: (laughs) Just flash it in the sky, RTV. I don't, I don't have a website because I don't do the consulting and things as a full time. I have my clients, but I can be reached on LinkedIn at Richard T. Butler. I can also be reached on any social media platform at Coach RTB. R as in Richard, T as in Tom, B as in boy. Uh, I respond to all DMs. I am very resourceful. The R in Richard stands for resourceful as well as refreshing.
0: Awesome. Well, hey, well, it has been very refreshing talking to you. It's been amazing. Um, I'm your story is absolutely incredible. And just all of the different interests and the things that you have done and are continuing to do and to reinvent yourself is pretty amazing. So thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast. I
1: really do appreciate it. Jackie, thank you for asking me. It's been a joy to be on this side.